Hello, and welcome to the Heartland Teaching Podcast, sponsored by the UMKC Regional Professional Development Center at Union Station. Our mission is to bring educators together for meaningful conversations about the challenges and successes of teachers in the Heartland. So sit back and relax and enjoy our show. This is our fourth and final episode in our series, Conversation About Race. In this episode, we look for what's next for schools. From recruiting black and brown teachers, increasing black leadership in suburban school district offices, to changing the curriculum to reflect black history, literature, art, science, philosophy, and ideas, these are some of the topics discussed in this episode. My guests are Jordan Lewis, a counselor and social worker from Youth Thrive, Ovi Ogenejabo, a sociology teacher at Lee Summit North High School, and Tina Ellsworth, a social studies coordinator in an area school district. We begin this episode answering the question, what's next for schools? So that brings us to what's next with school, because, you know, we're going to, we, we got a break right now from, from school for the summer. And teachers should be thinking long and hard right now mm-hmm. about how they're going to approach. I mean, I, if I was in, if I was going back into the classroom this year, I'd be revamping my entire curriculum. Yeah. I mean, I would be changing everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's that's one of the things that that uh, I think needs to be discussed is what's next for school. What what do we start teaching? Um, and you know, I I got to go back and say. We got to put social studies back in the curriculum, and when I'm talking K-12. It it doesn't need to start in middle school. Yeah. It needs to go back down to kindergarten, and they need to go back. I mean, they they need to. Yeah. We need to put it back into that elementary education. Um, but I'd like to hear all of your thoughts on on what's next with school. You know, one of the things that I am really surprised about and gives me hope is that I taught for eight years in a very rural part of Missouri. I mean, we're talking 99 point something white, right? And our only students of color, not only, but a good chunk of them were actually foreign exchange students. Um, but there were, there certainly were a few, but I could, I could name every black student I ever had. And I'm still connected to almost all of them today. And I tell you what, I don't know what it is that is different about this one. But kids that, I say kids, my students are now in their 30s, some of them. So, like, who am I kidding? Um, But they used to fight against me, tell me I was wrong, be really defensive, um, be ready just to shut me down, only ask questions to fight, not ask questions to learn. The number of my students that are showing up asking questions is mind-blowing to me in rural freaking America. Hmm. And I thought, what is it? I don't know what it is. Ahmad was just murdered a couple of weeks ago. That didn't do it. I mean, he was murdered in February. We learned about it a couple weeks ago. Um, Or the Karen in Central Park incident happened two weeks ago. That didn't do it. That man could have died. Chris Cooper could have died. And, but this one did, I don't know what it is. Uh, Sociologists and political scientists are going to have quite a thing on their hands when they go back and try to make sense of what it is we're trying to make sense of while we're living it. But that is really hopeful to me. And so I keep thinking about what should teachers do? And two days ago, I could not 
believe how my phone was blowing up between emails, text messages, phone calls um, of teachers going, Tina, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What can I do? What can I do? They know they're ill-equipped, but they don't know what to do. And then there's still that thing in the back of their mind that goes, but if I talk about it, I could get fired. And I've got a family I've got to take care of. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I, so I'm trying to think of like, what can teachers do? First of all, I'm one of those people, I was talking to my best friend the other day about how we are willing to be the arbiters of truth. So we are willing to talk about things if it means getting in trouble. We're willing to do things and to take a risk. And white people often aren't willing to take risks. They don't really know what it means. They don't understand what courage really means. You cannot be courageous first if you don't first feel a great sense of fear. Right? What the hell is the tenure system for? I, well, in Kansas, we don't have it. Oh, well, I was so, say, man. There's, I mean, there's a reason there's for tenure. That could be part of the reason why they got rid of it in Kansas. I don't know. Probably, yeah. They got rid of it before I got there. Um, so, you know, I had tenure in Missouri, but I don't have it in Kansas. And... Um, I, I do keep thinking about, okay, what can we do? What can we do? And I, people keep pointing me back to two things that I think are quintessential for teachers. Number one, know your data. We're in this very data-driven society, and the data shows us that we have gaps everywhere. And our black and brown students in particular are the ones that are on the negative end of that. And that mm-hmm. is our fault. That is mm-hmm. our problem, and we need to fix it. Um, But the other thing is that look at your district's mission and vision statement. Mm. It probably says something about doing something for all kids, preparing all kids for their future. And so now I've gotten to the point where I'm like, oh, yeah, I was doing this because our mission statement says we're going to prepare kids for their future. And so if I'm going to be sending out students into a world where race is a thing and where there's this conversation happening all the time, I'm going to make sure these kids are equipped to engage in those conversations, to be leaders in those spaces, and, you know, to stop killing people. Mm-hmm. Like, let's come on now. Um, I totally agree with the marginalization of social studies has got to stop. Kathy Swan was in town about a year ago, and she said, social studies and science gives the why we read and why we write. So why are we teaching ELA as some kind of standalone subject? We need to be using these public policy issues. And... Um, even I, my kids are very young. They're five and seven. And we talk about race very openly and very freely. And they're not ashamed to say, I'm black. I mean, I'm white and I know that. And you're black and I can see that. And I honor that and I acknowledge that. And we're not, we're not going to treat people differently, right? And so many white people don't want to engage in it because they think, they use words like it's divisive. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, it doesn't feel good. And I'm like, well, God, news for you. There's a lot of research out there from psychologists and doctors that say, Kids are forming opinions about race with or without you, starting at the age of two. And by the time they're five, they start to have already established some generalizations and associations with people that look certain ways. So either my kids are going to form that without my guidance Mm -hmm. or with my guidance. Which would I rather? And I think it's about getting that darn conviction about we know, and these teachers that have emailed me, they know that they are the first line of defense for changing society, which is why we decide what it is that we want schools to be teaching because we know they're the first line of defense. So get in there. I'm going to encourage teachers like crazy to write their principals, write their superintendents in mass, mobilize in your building, find that people are going to demand that you get some kind of training or have some kind of leadership or somebody stand up and say, let me take you on this journey 
Because some people are throwing their hands up saying, I don't know and I'm so uncomfortable and I don't know where to start, but I'm in my 40s, I'm in my 50s, I look foolish like I don't know where to go, so I'm just not going to ask the question. Or they adopt some kind of white guilt or white shame that causes them not to talk about it. And so, but not talking about it is sustaining the system that is the problem. Mm-hmm. So we've got to be, as, as educational leaders, even in the classroom, you're still an educational leader, stand up and demand that we need to move in this space. And then if you're a principal or a superintendent or in some kind of district level position, you need to be taking some stances and letting your teachers know you've got their back and this is the right thing to do. Don't be a coward. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully that will trickle down to the classroom and we'll see some of the operationalizing of these beliefs in those spaces. Yeah, I don't, there's not, we, none of us were following up on that. Agreed. I'm not in education, but I will say, because I think it, um, it, it's the summation of, of your point, um, Tina, and that is that there's, there's an opportunity here. And I think if you are, whether it's education, if you're in corporations, business, whatever your realm, whatever career path you're in, there's an opportunity here for that group that we talked about earlier that's in the middle, right? If you aren't sure what to do, if you're uncomfortable, get on the train that's headed toward the good side of this thing. Because I don't know what it's going to look like on the other side, but I know that I, I just feel like it's not going to be good on the, on the opposite side of this. If you choose to not take advantage and, and get on board, um, I know for for me and people who look like me, this is starting to really shed light on where you fall, mm-hmm. and um, I can only speak for myself, but but that's going to determine how I move with you, mm-hmm. and I think that's going to go for a lot of people. I think that's going to go for a lot of people's friends, coworkers, family members. At least I hope so. So if you're in that middle. Get on board because I, I think a lot of, I think from what I see that a lot of people are moving that way. And if you're not, I just think it's going to have negative ramifications. At least I hope it does. I hope it does. So yeah. I encourage you to get on board. Um, Tina, the biggest thing that you said that I just, this is the only way I think it's going to change. Um, you got to have courage from the top down. And, and Jordan, if, I like my boss and I know my boss has my back. I'll run through the wall for him. Yep. I'll run through the wall for her. If I know that as long as I'm doing what's right, as long as I'm doing what's in the guidelines of what the district has set up, you can defend me and you can protect me. Uh, I'll run through I'll run through that wall for you. Um so district and building leaders first have to have courage. Mm-hmm. Um the next thing we got to stop making excuses. Mm-hmm. And the biggest excuse I hear, which I think will solve a lot of issues in terms of what we're talking about today, you have to have black leadership. Say that louder for the people in the back. Like, <laughs> a little bit louder. Little like louder. You, you have to have black leadership or you have to cater to the demographics of your school. You have to. It would be, it w- it would be wrong in my heart for Jordan and Brett, for us three to just sit here and tell Tina what's best for her body. 
That makes no sense to me. Right. Why would a group of yeah. males tell a female what's best for her body, her well-being? Mm-hmm. Well, guys, that's what we're doing in education. Right. We have a group of white people trying to, to determine what's best for black and brown students. It makes no sense at all. We're seeing out white middle-aged educators to recruit young black and brown educators. And then they get into the district and they have no mentor. They have nobody that can relate to them. Mm. You can be the best person to me ever. But at the end of the day, you're not black. <laughs> you don't know. He's, he's pointing at me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so so if we could get some black leadership, that would be huge. And then lastly, I just think, you know, Jordan and Brett, was I, we were talking about this earlier. It's the 21st century. And we're still teaching things that – do we really need to learn that right now? Yep. Can, we, can, we, can we skim over that? Because that's what we do with black history. We skim over it. That's right. So mm. I'm not against the Holocaust in any way, shape, or form. But well, kids have that stuff down their throat, and they know nothing about black history. Well, we said after the Holocaust happened that we would never let it happen again. Ever. And what, there's been 50, 54 <laughs> genocides right. since. Right. You know? Mm. Right. Not, not, with, with complete ignorance of what happened in the Congo, 10 million Africans mm-hmm. dying at the hand of King Leopold II, um, is, 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 is just we have to change the curriculum to fit the times. Yeah. You know, we, we have, there's racial tension is high right now. Yet there's nothing that white or black or brown kids are learning that to help them unpack this. Um, there's riots going on in America and people are like, oh, my God, it's so bad. God, there's there's kids today who have no idea what happened with the Rodney King situation. They have no idea. Right. So if they don't know what happened with Rodney King, how can they ever understand what happened in 1921 in Tulsa? Yeah. That's what that's what just it, it, it makes my blood boil. You have the audacity to condemn the people of 2020 riding when your favorite sports team, hockey, basketball, football, they'll tear up the city just for winning a championship and you won't condemn them. And then you say, well, if black people just act right. Well, black people weren't only acting right. They had their own community, their own churches, their own. They had everything. And what happened? They burned down. You're too successful. You're way too successful. And we're not talking about just average black people. They were above average. Mm-hmm. You don't have to go all the way to Tulsa to see that. Those 68 riots here in Kansas City. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And what happened with 18th and Vine. And, okay. and the, I mean, that, and, you know. and yeah. Uh, yeah, you're, but, you, but people don't even know what's going on in their own community. Right. People don't know that it's strategic to have the protest at the plaza. Well, that was, I know. Yeah, <laughs> people don't understand right. that. Right. Yeah, that's right. Oh, and, J.C. Nichols was a racist? Yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> oh, just know that. anybody. Just go to that area and just look yeah, one right. way and then look the other way. Yeah. And you're like, huh. Yeah. Why is it so How different? Did that happen? <laughs> yeah. I wonder. Um, you know, I think that when we talk about black leadership, but we know that every, not everybody, but hopefully a lot of people are seeking out uh, black educators. Okay. And it's like every district is claiming to be vying for the same people because there's not a lot of black educators. They didn't see themselves in education. They never had a black teacher. 
Therefore, they're not, they don't see that as a space for them. And in some instances, the curriculum was a curriculum of violence against them, and schooling was a negative experience. So why would they spend the rest of their life in that space, right? So there's all of these other issues that are impacting um, whether or not um, black people go into education. But one of the things that I keep thinking about is in my role, like sometimes it feels really good to be in a role where you're at the table making decisions, right? And so sometimes all you can think about is I'm at the table. I get to be here. And sometimes I just want to remind people, can you please go realize who's not there? Mm -hmm. And before you give any recommendations at that table, go seek out other voices so that way they're at the table too. If they're not physically there, mm -hmm. they're at least they're being represented by what you say. And stop letting it be just the eight people that are there and it's only those eight perspectives. But be diligent in amplifying voices of people that are unheard. Go to the students, go to the teachers, and make sure that they're represented because it can't just be my white self and my white space trying to make decisions that impact our students of color when I don't have the same lived experience. Mm -hmm. Need to make sure if I can't physically hire them for these roles, I sure as heck can make sure that their voice is there. So, and one of you guys mentioned earlier allyship and. We're seeing a lot more talk about moving out of allyship into co-conspirator. Mm -hmm. Who is willing to get in and get dirty and do the work mm -hmm. too? Not just stand by and say, cheering <laughs> you on, keep going, I support you, right. but I'm not going to go do any of the work. Right. You know, and there's mm -hmm. a big difference there. And it's time for white, even though we've got some people, we just need to move into allyship. Yeah. We really need to be moving folks who think they're allies, which by, yourself, by the way, don't ever call yourself that, white folks. <laughs> the black people get to decide if you're their ally or not. And so if you're, you, you might think you're doing things that are allied <clears throat> behaviors, but they might not be, but let's start moving into what does it mean to be a co-conspirator and really be willing to get in there and do the work and take risks. Cause sometimes we stay in our white little space <clears throat> and it's safe for us because at the end of the day, we're not the ones getting killed. Yeah. We're not the ones adversely affected. So it's easier to ignore that. I like that. It's no longer good enough to be non-racist. Yep. You have to be anti-racist. Mm -hmm. It has to be, you know, that co-conspirator. Mm -hmm. How are we? It's not enough now to just sit on the sidelines and say, well, I'm not that. You got to fight against that. Right. We, we're past that now. Yep. So. Thank you for listening to our series, Conversations About Race. We look forward to having more of these important conversations in the future. Please see the description of this program for information regarding your comments, feedback, and how to get in touch with our presenters. Thank you for listening, and please share our podcast via all of your social media outlets. You've been listening to the Heartland Teaching Podcast, sponsored by the UMKC Regional Professional Development Center at Union Station. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please hit the subscribe button so that future podcasts will be made available to you at the touch of your podcast button. Please feel free to leave your comments on this podcast or register for one of our events by clicking the link on the attached podcast. We hope that we see you soon.